We're back once again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to How You Living. The show live from the Chaz Tower in the Million Dollar Studios. We are here, in effect, guys, still 2018, moving forward, post-Independence Day. Happy birthday, America. She's what? 242 years old. 242 and still looks as good as she ever did. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, I mean slightly problematic. Oh, yeah. Um, Thir- it's like 242 going on 13 in America. America, exactly. Just a perpetual teenager. Uh, but we are here once again, folks, for the wokest cast in the neighborhood. Uh, woke till we're dead. <laughs> Better woke than dead. And here at that podcast, we like to start each one with a little segment we call c callbacks Or as this thing wants to say. c callbacks There we go. All right. So, callbacks. Once again, we're here to tell you about things we've talked about in previous episodes that are still ongoing, which seems to be pretty much 98% of the Trump presidency. Yeah. And this week uh, is no different. Uh, Of course, we're still in the situation with uh, immigration detention centers uh, still popping up throughout the country and being used to detain uh, people through the ICE method of uh, raids and uh, and and arrests. And so uh, as we move forward in that, we're we're supposedly with steps towards reuniting children with certain people. They're supposed to be uh, some organization being made to allow that to start to happen. Yeah, there was um, a a judge that said that they had to do that uh, within 30 days. And that was about two weeks ago. And I recently saw something on Facebook. My friend posted that in order to adjudicate that, they actually might just be giving the kids to a guardian of sorts. And that counts as being reunited in quotations. So that's something that our governor just found out about. So he's kind of uh, battling back against that in a little bit of a way. So, so yeah, there's that. Um, I also went down to Tacoma where one of our local uh, immigration uh, holding facilities are and heard a lot of good stories. One guy got out because he did a, uh, what is it? A starvation. Why can't I remember the name? Um, well, he starved himself for, I believe nine days and he got out because yeah. Um, another woman was there talking about how her husband was locked up and how difficult it is to raise a family from two incomes to one income and also he had a swath of medical problems that on the outside he was going to get (laughs) fixed but because he was in the detention center um it got exacerbated and now it's going to have lifelong effects on him so it, it definitely showed you um not just the inhumanity but the inefficiencies um of how ice are treating these people and but you could see families walking out of there visiting people and and everything like that so it was good to understand the story and understand like what's at stake with them being in there under the guise of you know they were here illegally or undocumented and 
just like name undocumented people have been here for years right like you know we hear stories all the time about people who've been here for 20 years or so uh getting swept up in the whole mess of things so it's kind of like it's definitely you know trumpism is taking us a little bit too far so we got to do what we can uh while they're still in power to try to curtail it the best we can but you know it's definitely a firefight and definitely we are we have to be we're being reactive uh but we can be proactive when we go to the polls in november so you know there's hopefully that yeah and that's kind of a call back to that subject of uh the upcoming november election midterms as they're often called with being in the middle of uh trump's presidency term uh what we have seen as like the possibility of a blue wave which is wonderful and what we have seen is the possibility of more female elected uh representatives than have ever been before uh with more running than ever before so so there's this cusp of kind of this liberal progressivism uh but on the ground you know we still have the fight in these rural counties and these communities maybe older communities and things that you know aren't really tuned into uh the progressive kind of movement and what's going on and are willing to vote red no matter what and so this uh this election is very important and uh we're definitely gonna have to actually go door to door we're gonna have to talk to our family members we're gonna have to like work from within to try and uh and and sway for for the better of uh of our future so yeah that's what ocasio cortez did and you know she won quite handedly um in her district she's i believe the 29th district in uh bronx and queens right we talked about her last week and there's other uh democrats too so next week i want to call back to this to talk about what are kind of the big uh swing seats that we need to look out for in november uh coming through because there's a few districts out there that in order for us to take back the house there's six swing districts that we need to win so kind of doing a profile and looking at what those six swing districts are who's running in those uh who's the candidates running them and you know what can be done to actually swing those uh but i also wanted to i know our primaries in washington are coming up in august so i did want to highlight uh i want to highlight two things one if you want to help out with uh, a nonprofit that works directly with uh immigrants and stuff there is one called racies you can find them at racies texas uh, the website is uh, R-A-I-C-E-S-T-E-X-A-S dot org. And, and they are a nonprofit agency that promotes justice by providing free and low-cost legal services to underserved immigrant children, families, and refugees in Texas. Uh, yeah, I worked uh, with one of my side hustles to do a little bit of a fundraiser event for them. So I wanted to let y'all know about that. And also wanted to let you know about a few of the Justice Democrats who tend to lean a little bit more progressive and uh, who are running for office. So, well, one of them we already have in office is uh, Jamila Jayapal um, in Washington 7th District, which I believe we're a part of. So she got voted in uh, back in 2016. And now we have some other folks who are running uh someone who i just started following on facebook and was actually endorsed by ocasio cortez is sarah smith um out of washington's ninth district 
um, in her little profile on Justice Democrats reads, uh, a congress, uh, Congress person represents their people, at least they're supposed to. Congress today works to protect the bottom line of powerful multinational corporations, not people like us. My circumstances and my sentiments and my values are shared all around me in the Ninth District. I believe I am the person who can represent the loud restraint beacon of social change that is the ninth. I will fight for social and economic changes against a system rigged for normal people like us to fail. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Populist candidate. Uh, Populist candidate. Like popular, like hitting, <laughs> hitting, hitting like the, uh, I should be serving the people. Like that's, that's her first sentence. Well, yeah, because that's what a representative democracy is all about. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what technically the populist movement is. I mean, you're thinking like the association with whatever the movement might be called now, but the idea of populist is just for the people. Oh, okay. Okay. Technically. Uh, but, uh. Yeah, so Washington's uh, primary elections are coming up. Um, we have U.S. House seats. Um, let's see. There's a total of... There's quite... Let's see here. Republican. But yeah, we have a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on for the 2018 election. There's going to be primaries in your districts locally to you. There's going to be candidates that are running that you're going to see uh having debates and different things running up to and during probably right up on the election day and so uh let's uh let's keep an eye out for the people that are uh holding to a progressive value even if it seems like you live in a red state or in a red county you know give it a try and see uh yeah see if there's you know there's a little purple a little movement towards the center and you might catch enough votes or something so and and feel free to canvas on your own and help like i said pass the word pass pass why a progressive agenda is going to ultimately uh help them more than uh, uh staying the course that we currently are in so that is the mission for that as well as uh donating to any cause you think that's going to help out the immigrants in their abilities to reunite with their families and or you know eventually get safe passage to wherever ultimately they're being yeah. destined to go i mean even if they ultimately need to be deported they need to be deported humanely and i think we should follow these systems through i think we i think we need as the people you know we need to take a look at uh the immigration not debate but just the model as it is mm -hmm. and kind of what follow follow the people to a degree and kind of see the elements of uh, of exchange when you send someone back into Mexico after living in America for 20 years who works and pays taxes and somehow just doesn't legally have status uh, back into a country they haven't lived, you know, into a system they're not, you know, necessarily ready to go back to. And so, you know, and, and then there's other situations with these kids n possibly not getting reunited, you know, and getting stuck over here. Some of these horror stories of these like farms and different uh labor camps essentially that have kind of gotten in the mix with this immigration and uh and hired a bunch of illegal and sometimes younger uh illegal workers so the the, the system's broken is the key and it's not about cages and and locking people up we need to just look at it as as is like the status quo what currently is happening
Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, because Obama did a lot of the stuff. <clears throat> Not to the same degree that this is happening, but Obama had his fair share of, you know, we were treating immigrants uh, who came from Mexico and Central America inhumanely. And uh, Trump is now, because that was one of his key campaign things, he's exacerbating it to a very large degree, especially uh, when a few weeks ago it all started with his uh, zero <clears throat> zero policy or, oh gosh, I know it's not called zero policy, but it was the plan where he said, like, oh, zero tolerance, zero tolerance plan of anybody who came over, you know, you're going to round them up, you're going to lock them up, and... I think I was listening to uh, up first on NPR how they were talking about the the law that he was using um, was one where before it would wouldn't allow you to separate families after a certain amount of time and he wanted to bypass that so he could hold them indefinitely. Um, but now, due to the criticism, it seems like he's going back to catch and release um, because that's a lot cheaper than holding. Uh, people in these detention facilities but also at the same time there are black sites um of him holding various detainees at different um what is it military camps and military bases so there there is a lot that is not being said by the president and there's a lot that is that his base defends against because he calls them you know rapists and murderers and he's always you know spewing propaganda so the people who follow him will treat them inhumanely and think this is a justified treatment of them and i think that's the in in my camp that is the most important thing to remember on all this that like yeah our system is broken and it has been for a while but the way it's being implemented by our president is deliberately treating these people as inhumanely as they can right well uh going forward uh we're hoping uh we can get some uh you know, legal help for these detained people and, and get them uh, proper passage to some form of life and hopefully eventually some of them uh, naturalized uh, legally uh, or some form of legal status um, or ability to work towards said legal status. So uh, with that, I think we should uh, close up the callbacks bag. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and uh, enter into our episode 58... I don't know any uh, famous uh, 58 uh, sports players, but uh, that's the episode that we're on, man. Number 58. We're batting sixth, you know, sixth or seventh. Yeah, know. funny enough. We're deep in the lineup. Um, I heard of this new show. I don't remember what it's called, but it's on NPR. And the whole idea of it is that they're going to go through the culture of America on the eights about different things. So, you know, like 48, 58. 68, 78, because we're in 2000 or 2018. So um, I will figure out some more about it, and then I'll call that back as well, too. So uh, people that had the number 58 were uh, four NFL players only. Jack Lambert, Derek Thomas, Carl Banks, Wilbur Marshall. So there we go. The fact that no one wanted. And and that's in football? Yeah, it's from a USA Today article on numbers. And they list uh, the most popular, but it includes everything. It includes, uh, you know, NHL, NBA, and uh, even NASCAR. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a cool little article. Uh, USA Today 2017 Top Athletes Uniform Numbers from 0 to 99. 
so that um, one of the things that have happened this week that seems just kind of like remarkable is in, in how difficult it, it, it is and how kind of wild the world that we live in is, is this uh, scenario in Thailand. Yeah. With this soccer team and their coach being stuck after uh, practice, they went on a tour of some caves that are like pretty popular when the before the rain season for people to tour. Mhm. And unfortunately they flooded. And once they flooded, uh they were trapped for several days and it actually took an elite team of divers to discover where they were uh almost 2 miles into this cave. Mhm. And so now there's this just like struggle against time because of the limited amount of oxygen in the chamber that they're in. Yeah. The depths of the water, the the fact that you have to kind of swim through narrow channels. Uh there's so much variable. And then on top of all that, after a pretty successful week, one of their elite divers die. Yeah. After running out of air trying to um get back from uh placing uh different air tanks along the route. Damn. Yeah. So, pretty much uh, a a uh, a terrible situation all around, and so uh, hopefully uh, the science behind uh, you know rescue and spelunking and all the different factors that come together can uh, can can bring a uh, a hopeful outcome at least from this point. We've already lost one, you mm-hmm. know, in the sense that the rescue mission lost somebody. And then uh, the difficulty of bringing uh, basically never dived before people through this maze of two miles is like the gauntlet of all time. Like, because, you you know, they've never even dove in a pool, which is something when you get your dive certificate, you do. Why exactly do they need to bring in people who haven't dove before? They have to bring in dive equipment for the kids. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And teach the kids, essentially, how to swim and dive on the day that they're going to take them. And there's different methods, they think. But ultimately, there's parts where, like, you know, yeah. It's just crazy. It's a crazy situation. So, you know, hopefully by next episode... Uh, we'll have a, a a positive conclusion. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and and it just kind of shows, you know, like Elon Musk got kind of tweeted at by some people that were looking for him to help because he's been doing all this boring, the boring project. Yeah. Yeah, and or the boring company. I mean. Yeah, and it uh, it uh, you know, he's sent I guess a few uh engineers that I work for SpaceX and a few people that work for the boring company just to see if they'd be of any help for any, if there's going to be any digging or attempts to drill. So, but, uh, yeah, that's one of the situations this week. And that's, you know, a little bit of the abroad news brought to us. Uh, what did you have on the plate? That's something, uh, this week that you wanted to touch on. Well, okay. So this week in fake news, we know that, uh, justice Kennedy, uh, retired last week so president trump is now has his second supreme court pick to uh, to fill and uh, trump has picked some folks uh that we have over here so i am uh, i am pulling this up from fox news only because i feel like it'll be good to hear how fox news is trying to spin these individuals 
um, and definitely a big portion of his advocacy and a big portion of his constituency watches it. So we can kind of dive into how they may view these individuals. So, so they say Thomas Hardman or Hardyman, he has blue collar appeal. That's the first person that, that they bring up. Maintains uh, his chambers currently in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, that's where he's uh, currently from. Yeah, they say some commentators compare Hardman favorably to Justice Samuel Alito in terms of uh, personality and jurisprudence. Uh, both served in the Third uh, Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. Um, and then right below that is the issues the mass. Massachusetts native has tackled include gun rights in 2016 ruling and he backed the decision that said nonviolent felons enjoyed the right to carry a gun. Interesting. All right. Yeah. And he uh, it went to the University of Notre Dame and then followed that up with Georgetown University. And he's from Massachusetts. So he's kind of one of these like fringe Republican judges where I, I, I don't smell like too far, far right. You know, I feel like far right center. And there's actually a uh, 538 infographic off their four potential nominees would change the Supreme Court. Uh, oh, okay. They place Thomas Hardiman uh, pretty much dead center, which is uh, slightly to the right of Judge Kennedy. Uh, and uh, basically landing him a little bit more left-leaning than Roberts and just a little more uh, right-leaning than um, Kennedy. And so, uh, and it's kind of interesting because just based on looking at his profile, that's where I would have put him. I hadn't looked at the uh, the graphic yet. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Just because of the Massachusetts thing, it's kind of the same thing as Mitt Romney in a way. You know, he, you know, he kind of like, he oversaw a health care overhaul at Massachusetts that included free health care for I think all citizens of the state if they met certain obligations yeah it's it's kind of Obamacare light yeah over there yeah and so uh similar to probably like Apple Health um which we have here in Washington and uh Oregon has a Oregon Health Plan or OHP um but uh but yeah just kind of being from the Massachusetts which is kind of like a right left state you know um it's a coastal state, so you get a little bit of that kind of liberal appeal. And Boston definitely has some liberal appeal, mm-hmm. and specifically Cambridge. And uh, the Facebook and Google kind of culture creates some of that. So um, it's interesting. Obviously, he's probably being from Pittsburgh and from Winchester. He's from some of the – well, Pittsburgh is, you know, more right-leaning. And then uh, he's probably from one of Win- – Winchester – I assume is probably like in the burbs a bit, like out outskirts Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna start naming towns after guns, I figure you probably have room <laughs> room to shoot said guns, right? Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Winchester. Uh, but yeah, no. So that's him. Uh, who else do we got in this uh, race to uh, the so right? <clears throat> based on this 538 infographic that you pulled up. Uh, the next two, Brett Kavanaugh and Raymond Keithledge, seem to be to the right of both Alito and Gorsuch, but to the left of Thomas. And Thomas is far right. Like, right. He, yeah, no like, one's really going to cross over Yeah, that. he's yeah. Uh, staunch as right. And Thomas Hardman is still on the other side. Like He's still 
firmly on the right side where Kennedy was like skirting the right side and you know folks who want to have that swing vote I would even say Thomas Hardiman probably wouldn't would be a swing vote in some things but not in the important liberal things that folks are really afraid of losing mainly like uh let me see Roe versus Wade um affirmative action and things of that sort yeah yeah and then the female uh nominee or potential nominee is amy coney barrett um and she is uh currently not scored because uh they didn't have like a real basis of uh of information from her from her decisions to to swing right or left um so i was going to take a little bit of look at her background um so obviously with the um abortion issue on hand one would think well it'd be helpful uh maybe for the liberal cause if he did pick a a woman and unfortunately the right has plenty of women that are uh just as against abortion as their male counterparts so uh you know there's a good chance that she would be for um far enough right to to dismantle roe v wade if if possible yeah the fox news article has a little thing at the end here that touches a bit on it um it says she was more pragmatic two years ago just days before the presidential election about the chances that roe v wade would be overturned in the coming years she said i don't think the court case rose a holding that women have a right to abortion i don't think that will change but i think the question of whether people can get late-term abortions uh, how many restrictions can be put on clinics I don't think that will change. Yeah. So uh, the the hunt continues for Trump's uh, replacement for Kennedy, and we'll see who he picks, and we'll see. Um, you know the uh, the the long bomb uh, hail mary from the Democrats, of course, is suspending the vote till after the election. They don't have the power to do that, though. No. Well. It depends if uh, if they get Republicans, they do. But that's and they have, oh yeah, yeah they have the possibility. Um, it you know people have to to look at it. Uh, I mean, to be honest, what they really need to start doing is wheeling and dealing after some numbers come in from these elections. Uh, as far as like leading up to the elections, kind of these polls. And see if uh, if you can kind of yield some, uh, you know, essentially it's pork belly. It's it's old school politics to some of these Republican people to help stay off the vote. Well, there are two um, that they're saying that could be their greatest allies in this whole thing. And that's Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, because uh, they have openly said that they would not vote for someone who would want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, so Lisa Murkowski is in Alaska and she was. Uh, one of the key people that was in the swing vote when they were trying to dismantle uh, Obamacare, like that whole big thing. And kind of she was one of the few people who stopped it with John McCain, you know, doing the last one to make his statement and everything. But oh, and also the thing, we don't know if John McCain will be back from all his medical leave. So it kind of technically makes it 49 to 49 at the moment. Right. Yeah. So. so- I, you know, there's there's hope uh, out there, and if and if they can do that, you know, and you win enough seats, you you can you can hopefully 
I mean, the the nomination's going to keep coming from the president, but I guess you just don't confirm them until you get one you like. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a majority vote. There's uh because the super delegate or not the super delegate super majority rule uh isn't in effect anymore, and the filibuster rule isn't in effect anymore either. So you know, those two things mean unless we get uh Republicans, as you said, uh. Anybody he nominates will be voted in. Mm. Yeah. So uh, with that, folks, we're going to do my little interruption of the podcast of all this uh, heady news of what's going on and how troublesome your life may or may not be. Maybe you're on the other side of history and you use this podcast to hear about what we're bitching about. <laughs> I don't know. But one of the things that a lot of the world right now is watching is the World Cup. World Cup. Woo-woo. And the World Cup is great. World Cup is soccer. If you don't know anything about it, you've been living under a rock and somehow you listen to podcasts. Uh, the World Cup, of course, consists of several teams from all over the country or the world. And they play and fight every four years for the chance to play in the championship round and take home the world cup trophy uh it, it's gone to such places as argentina and spain and and france and england and most notably brazil yeah who sadly today made an exit out of the tournament oh after taking a hard l from Belgium in a two-one loss Belgium. today. Coming out of nowhere. France defeating Uruguay. Oh no! The people's favorite. Uh, Uruguay, based on kind of what we we're just looking at, like on a left-leaning liberal scale. Uruguay is the most liberal and progressive country in the World Cup. So mm-hmm. progressives even lose this one, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, tomorrow the matches are going to be Russia and Croatia, Sweden and England. Uh, we'll bring you those results maybe in the next podcast, a callback interruption. Uh, but what I just want to talk about is how everyone uh, gets a chance to kind of focus on uh, this this pastime that has swept across the world. And even though it's not number one here in America, it, it's it's number one with a bullet all over the world. Yeah. You know, and uh, and this is a chance for, for small nations to measure up against large nations, uh, nations with a big populace, nations with small populace, and, and, and try at a game of skill uh, the best they can uh, to, to conquer. Now, FIFA themselves definitely have the shadiest history of almost any sports organization in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they continue their dominance uh, with the most, uh, this, of course, being the Russian World Cup, absent of our U.S. American national team, uh, and uh, w- ha- did not have its uh, lack of uh, some conspiracies to why it was landed at the uh, Russian hands post a series of uh, allegations against FIFA that later turned to be corroborated of bribe taking and uh different measures to select host cities and uh moving forward kind of the last um uh, holdout from the previous uh, uh administration of selecting uh locations is Qatar so the oh, ne- okay the next world cup will be hosted in Qatar wow and so far in 2022 when it's hosted uh, they're looking to play the games in December. Uh, that makes sense. Due to the temperatures in the desert. 
Yeah. Uh, but everything is is uh, very complicated as far as getting the teams places to stay and where they're going to go and how they're going to kind of like move between the cities so they can play the games against the different opponents in different places. Uh, and so that one is we're yet to be seen. Uh, there's been different allegations about the human rights violations of the construction of these stadiums. Mm-hmm. And so uh, interestingly enough, uh, America, along with Canada and Mexico, won the bid for the 2026 games. Oh, wow. So we'll be hosting um, about half okay. uh, of those games. And, uh, yeah, and that's going to be in 2026. And uh, that that means an auto bid for Mexico, Canada, and U.S. Uh, for being host nations. So we get auto bids. Oh, okay. And then uh, also... Um, yeah, that's that's the the kind of rundown of that. And so while the while the world uh, looks at this game of skill, even though the governing body has its own issues, uh, it's an interesting time to uh, kind of see the fandom of the people that have actually traveled to Russia and and celebrating their country and their cultures and their love of soccer. Uh, or football, as uh, most of the world calls it. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I bid adieu to my squad in this year's World Cup, Denmark, who lost uh, in the round of 16, as it's called. So uh, they, they sadly won't be playing for the World Cup trophy. Uh, now uh, I'm looking towards uh, Belgium being pretty much a favorite in my mind, uh, oh, okay. watching their play against Brazil. Obviously France still in it. England to play tomorrow, so uh, the Russians obviously hosting and crushing it so far. Um, are they two games away from their first World Cup? Uh, we'll let you know in a future episode. Uh, but that that was my little uh, interruption. Go soccer. FIFA kind of sucks. <laughs> USA, get your shit together. Make it in Qatar. I know it's weird. December... It's it's been a July sport the whole time, yeah. So uh, I mean, I I might be lying. There might have been a weird year where they did it a different date. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Carter is really hot right now, so I agree that they should put it in December. I mean, you I guess you could also get away with you know having mad air conditioning in the stadiums and all that, right? Because practically every single living domicile over there has. Uh, air conditioning because you have to right so there there is that but you know the athleticism needed and you don't want to like overheat your body or overwork your body that that easily gets you heat stroke and all that so i agree that they probably should put it in a cooler month or so yeah so we'll see how that one uh, goes obviously we kind of we have the infrastructure we just use stadiums that we've already built because we've pretty much built elite stadiums all over our country oh yeah so we don't have to like that's one of the things when we get the bid we're just like well we're just gonna like put it like seattle or los angeles or texas <laughs> yeah they'll probably put them in places where hopefully a lot of folks can uh find places to stay so yeah w- seattle's probably getting one yeah uh we are a soccer town we're a soccer host city and uh access to the asian just basically being able to fly there you know, for fans and for uh, for the teams. Yeah, makes sense. And then I think there's only two cities in Mexico that are uh, eligible. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like, either, I think it's like, 
uh, actually I could look that up, but uh, the uh, yeah, and then there's like four in Canada. Yeah, I would imagine in Canada would be what uh, Vancouver, possibly either. Uh, oh, Edmonton was in it as as an option. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say which uh, couldn't remember if it was in Saskatchewan or Winnipeg. Uh, so Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto. Yeah, are the three that they have currently listed? Okay, okay. Uh, Boston, New, and this is uh the list from which twenty three candidate host cities, and there's going to be um oh they they'll just break it down. It'll probably be like ten of them total, but yeah, Monterey, Guadalajara, and Mexico City are the uh, Spanish cities. And okay, then, and then the Bay Area. Los Angeles, Seattle, Denver, Kansas City, Dallas, Houston, Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, Nashville, Cincinnati, D.C., Baltimore, Philly, New Jersey, Toronto, Boston. Oh, yeah, Toronto, of course. But, yeah, so mostly places that have uh, current um, MLS franchises. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, soccer fan base already or uh, at least an NFL squad with a large large capacity stadium. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, 2026, uh, what is that? It's eight years from now. You know, we'll be in our mid-40s. <laughs> it'll be like episode 985. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we'll get there eventually. Um, World Cup. Uh, any other uh, points you wanted to bring up for the people to help them uh, kind of maneuver their way through society today, Shaz? Uh, yeah, and also always want to remind you to vote. Uh, but if you want to check up on like, if you're, uh, cause recently there was a bill that just passed, um, I believe it was in Illinois or Ohio, where if you don't vote, they can take you out of the voting register. Uh, oh no, they didn't just pass. It was something that actually went through the, um, Supreme Court. Um, and the Supreme Court said, yeah, you can do this. So, uh, there is a group of people called turbo vote i believe <laughs> and you can go to turbovote.org and they will let you know uh they'll ask you what your name is on your id if they should call you a nickname and then they'll either tell you if you are registered in your area and if you're not registered they'll help you get registered so in order uh just telling people who have like late primaries uh, i think the latest primary is actually in louisiana because their primary happens on the day that everyone else does their election day. And they'll have runoffs two days later if need be. So there is still, there is the big push that uh, Ocasio-Cortez went through. But there's still a few more uh, states that are having their primary soon. We posted a thing on our Facebook page about it. So you can check that out. But let me just go to that so I can let y'all know. Uh, who's coming up so just in case you were like oh i don't know if i'm voting soon if not uh make sure if you're voting by mail because i just learned there's more states voting by mail than i actually thought yeah which is awesome it's a pretty effective way to get people to register and get their ballot out actually and get their ballot to them uh and then there's always fail safes like uh, locations you can go to to vote or uh, receive a new ballot if you lose it or if it's mailed to an old address or something, mm -hmm. uh, there are ways to get to your ballot uh, prior to the election and on election night, uh, typically. And then also uh, when you're 
going to, you know, the post office and whatnot, peek around. There's usually some paperwork there that you can get and take and register to vote, you know. Uh, and if you're not at a post office, you know, look around for your local kind of county office. There's probably uh, a place for you to register to vote. Uh, as always, uh, definitely get the ballot, read the ballot, vote on the topics and the things that affect you. Don't if we're not telling you you have to vote for everything or pick and choose between two people you don't know. Yeah, uh, we understand that that's uh, that's not fair for us to ask you to do that you're making an uninformed decision we like informed decisions exactly but we would tell you the uh the kind of uh best plan of action would be to try and inform yourself as best you can with uh, whatever ballot booklet comes out or maybe a few uh ancillary google searches about your district and uh current electoral process and see uh what's coming up that way you can make an informed decision on your ballot and maybe vote the entire ticket so I typically do. There's once or twice I'll read a measure and I just don't know who the beneficiary is. Yeah. And I and I might not vote for those. I just kind of leave that, you know. Um, and also vote for levies, guys. Help these schools. I'm telling you. <laughs> Help these schools. Indeed. And also uh, check, I don't know if you're a registered Democrat, uh, Republican, Green Party, Libertarian Party, or unaffiliated like me. Uh, living in uh, Washington, if you're unaffiliated, it doesn't really matter because they don't have you register as an affiliation. Um, Open when you primary. run for office, exactly. They just says prefer whatever party they prefer. So it gives us a a good ability just to look over everything. But I wanted to let y'all know. So, um. Your August 7th primaries are coming up in Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, and Washington. That's us. Um, August 11th, which is a Saturday, is happening in Hawaii. Uh, August 14th, that is happening in Connecticut, Minnesota, Vermont, and Wisconsin. Uh, on the 21st, we have two, Alaska and Wyoming. On the 28th, also in August, is Arizona and Florida. And now heading on over into September, September 4th, we have Massachusetts. September 6th, we have Delaware. And September 11th, we have New Hampshire. Following that is, uh, is Rhode Island on September 12th. There is something I should also tell you about, too. New York, uh, they had their federal offices June 26th, but their primaries for their state and local offices is September 13th. So don't think you're done just yet, you know. And the local stuff are probably more important to you than some of the federal stuff as well, too, because it'll go over what, how your taxes can be levied, you know, if they're going to do any tolls in your area, what money is going to, you know, new road developments and everything. So, you know, make sure you check that out. And lastly, Louisiana, they have their primary, um, as we said before, on November 6th and the runoff on December 8th. So, so yeah. Yeah, participate, get involved, find, meet your candidates, uh, help let them know that you want your voice heard and your causes uh, upheld. Uh, and as always, vote the ticket top to bottom if you can, and that includes your local area. So if you know who's running for school board and you got kids in school and you, you want to make sure you understand who's controlling the curriculum, who's controlling the discipline, who's controlling how your school system works for the foreseeable future, you know, even if it's a two to four year term, uh, that could change uh, the whole course of uh, a few thousand children's lives, you know. So 
make sure to keep an eye out on any local elections. And as always, we tell you, go check out a town hall meeting or any type of community gathering that is of your community leaders for, for political action, for addressing issues, for telling you about new developments in your area. Check one of them out and find out that participation is actually kind of fun. You, uh, you learn a lot about your area. I think, what, in the last year and a half that we've been doing this podcast, uh, we've slowly learned uh, the Seattle internal complex of uh, oh, yeah. of, of local authorities, and, and we've kind of dived in. And then even you went down to Pierce County and were checking out Tacoma last week yeah. with their protests and, <clears throat> and kind of how those are organized are a lot of times through community um, community different partnerships, you know. Not necessarily ones that are directly affiliated with the township or whatever. Exactly. But 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 community organizations nonetheless. There there's a lot of grassroots stuff uh, when it comes to political action and also uh, social justice going on in the state of Washington, which is nice. Uh, but before we head out, I wanted to leave you with um, a little bit of a rubric or something. One of my buddies they go through when they're trying to decide on uh, who to vote. So they start by reading their state's voters guide. Um, I know in Washington we get it in the mail. Um, if you don't get it in the mail, try to look for it online or try to go to your local library if you can or your post office to pick one up. Um, and then for local positions, uh, if they don't know anything about the candidate, they'll start looking at their endorsements. Uh, after that, they'll look at it if it's like an incumbent versus a guy um, who is just angry at a person because I don't know if your state has you vote for judges, but in Washington, we vote for our judges. So sometimes the judges and the incumbent and the people who are running against them are just being like, you voted against me in this thing and I hate you, so I'm going to run against you. So, you know, checking those things or it could actually be somebody who has um, an actual stance or actual position to be a judge. So, you don't know. Yeah. And it's interesting in some of these states with the, the way judges are elected, uh, the limited amount of uh, legal knowledge they may pertain to have before they get elected and then you know whatever's absorbed over the course of that uh certain certain areas they don't even need to pass the bar so yeah to be a candidate for an elected judge so yeah systems are flawed all around (laughs) and then lastly um uh, if the endorsements are weren't completely lopsided like you know an even amount of people were saying, yeah, you should vote for this person. Then they'll take a look at the candidate summaries and then go from there. So, uh, so yeah, I would say like, that's a good starting point. When I was doing my research for the mayoral race last year, uh, well, mainly to report for this podcast, but I found that it helped me get a full view of what each candidate wanted to do for the city. Um, I tried to listen to as many speaking appearances as they had. I tried to listen to as many debates that they had. And I also tried to read as many informational pieces about, you know, what are just the facts about this individual, but also some opinion pieces both for and against the individuals, especially once I had narrowed down who I really wanted. And then I felt like that gave a, a good enough opinion about who I would want to vote for. And uh, a mini callback that we've done it before is get your friends together, you know, do a potluck, you drink about it, you know, 
do it the way people do drafts for fantasy football or whatever, but, you know, get together with your friends. And talk about the crucialness of this election and what's going on in your community. Exactly. And get them involved. Right. Yeah. Or if you don't want to, if you can make it bigger and you're a community organizer type and, you know, you can rent out a room at your local community center, go there and get a whole swath of people. Um, if your community center is your church, get a whole swath of people, you know, have them do a town hall style, come up, say, I want to elect this person because this is what I care about. And, you know, just be a part of the political process. That's the key. And be a part of this process by contacting us at H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. Yes, sir. That's the How You Live In box where we receive your email. And we'll uh, we'll check a look at it. As always, you can tweet at me at C-Town-Mayor. That's S-E-A-T-O-W-N-M-A-Y-O-R because I'm going to help that municipality by the sea. Uh, and uh, other than that, pretty much shout out to uh, that Ron Funches show that we went to. Uh, the last week was uh, part of a dual sold-out show that ended up raising just under $20,000 for Mary's Place Woo, okay. in Washington. So uh, that was a straight donation from Mr. Funches to Mary's Place, and he nice. made a statement after that number was tabulated and to say that he hopes to work with them more in the future and that he, he wants to continue his uh, relationship with them and other organizations that help directly with the types of people that we're talking about uh, who are, you know, just need a little bit of help, you know, and they can uh, meet society's standards as we uh, continue to raise those bars. Uh, we're leaving a certain sex of people behind, and we need to do our best part to bring them along. Indeed. I was just in Belltown recently, and uh, we definitely need to do something about our homeless problem in Seattle. So before I head out, you can catch me on my personal Twitter at CRSII, uh, the How You Live In uh, stuff at uh, Chazbaz on the Twitters as well. And also, if you've been keeping up with it, Extra Credits is up to five videos on their Extra Politics series where they kind of use game theory to kind of go into how politics or at least our American politics work. Uh, their most recent episode was really enlightening about cheating or quote unquote cheating in politics and what motivates people to do it and what we can do to stop it. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, shout out to Caitlin Warehouser and Ian Carmel of Portland Comedy fame of new Netflix special fame for Mr. Ian Carmel uh, for a wonderful show that I attended yesterday and for, of course, being the host of the all fantasy everything podcast uh a podcast we support here because they're my friends so uh shout out to them saw him last night it was hilarious go support ian carmel if you see him in your town and if you see caitlin warehouser as well she was hilarious and uh we had a lovely time we did some karaoke in a box afterwards oh snap me and ian carmel we sang uh some uh sublimes what i got that was solid it was uh nice it was a good 90s throwback night uh so yeah Hit us up if you uh, if you have songs you want, you like to sing in a karaoke box with your friends. Uh, Chaz, this has been lovely. As always, Mikkel, good seeing you. Happy post-Independence Day. Stay free. <laughs> and we out. Peace. Peace. Check it. Yo, the world is shifting. We live in just enough for the city. The